The economy is doing well, but risks for investors are on the rise. What could go wrong? Here is what matters. Live from our coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbet. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of July 19th, 2021. And this week, we're going to try to make sense of some of the stranger market dynamics. Mm, They are strange. Our listeners will remember that we've been talking a lot about the reflation and reopening trade. That is the idea that a new economic cycle could lead to outperformance in certain asset classes that benefit from resurging economic growth. For example, this includes smaller companies, stocks trading at a discount, and assets that may benefit from rising inflation or rising interest rates. Well, as I said, things are strange. The past few weeks of investment environment have caused a lot of confusion among the ranks of investors. Economic growth and inflation have been very strong, but bond yields were down, and the reflation and reopening trade came to what could best be described as what I would say is a pause. And that's continuing today as we're recording this on Monday morning. Definitely some strange market environment out there. But markets rarely move in one direction. It's just that the combination of events that we're seeing right now is out of touch with the macroeconomic backdrop. And so we thought it might be a good opportunity to discuss all the risks, or at least the priority risks that we've identified inherent in our economic and market outlook. What could go wrong for investments, even if the economic environment is pretty good? Things can always go wrong. I love that. Last week, we shared a high-level gist of our outlook, as well as four investment ideas to capture that reflating environment I was just talking about. Definitely take a listen to that episode if you haven't already. Thank you for the pitch. And then come right back here to join us as we try to make sense of things that, well, just don't make sense. Well, last week we got a new really strong inflation print. So maybe, Robert, we can start there because that's certainly one of the more important uh, risks to the market in the coming months. Mm, It is. Last week we received the highest headline inflation since 2008. And that means that the prices for all things, including goods and services, food and energy, were up five and a half-ish percent year on year. Take away food and energy inflation rates, and we're still at about 4.5% year on year. And remember, the Fed's target is closer to 2%. And for the decade or so between the global financial crisis and the COVID-19 pandemic, we're struggling to make it to that 2%. So these are really, really extensive, big inflation numbers. Yeah, and big numbers like that, on the one hand, are a normal part of a healthy economic cycle. Production declines during downturns, only to face growing resource constraints as demand rebuilds over the course of an expansion. But on the other hand, the COVID-19 cycle has been unprecedented in so many ways, which is raising the important question for investors, could inflationary pressures be here to stay? And therein lies the market risk. And we are seeing other signs of inflation impacting the real economy too. 
There's surveys of small businesses by the NFIB, which shows that the plans to hire are reaching the highest level ever. And the percentage of companies who are raising prices is also at the highest level since 1981. Which, believe it or not, was 40 years ago. So you can see how this environment gets difficult. There's a lot of demand out there for goods and services. But if input costs are rising, then the economy can start to falter a bit. It's that dynamic, the question about inflation and where growth is going, that's one of the more important risks to our outlook to the markets. Mm -hmm. What is the base case of this risk, LG? Well, we're on team transitory, meaning that we expect supply-demand bottlenecks to clear over the course of the next year. But in the meantime, it's still really difficult. Moments of concern about this demand and the, the surge that we're seeing are likely to flare up from time to time. I like that team transitory. Another important risk is that the virus is still circulating and changing, and that might actually be the most pertinent risk to what we're seeing today, Monday morning, and in the market dynamics the last couple of weeks. For now, countries with widespread vaccine availability are unlikely to have the political will to reimpose restrictions. But there is some concern right now that the new Delta variant that's spreading rapidly may cause some countries to slow down their reopening or that mobility might decline. Then there's also the question down the road that what if new variants arise and what if countries exceed reopening expectations? If this market mismeasures the risk of a new variant or the speed of reopening, it could create opportunity for global allocation. It's a really good point. So there's the inflation risk, the Delta variant risk. I would say another risk um, or set of risks is the important fact that both fiscal and monetary policy have contributed to market gains in recent months. Now that the economy is doing really well, Congress might be less willing to spend, and the Fed is likely to reduce its pace of monetary accommodation. Now, that doesn't mean that policy support is slamming to a halt, but it might, again, slow. And when something changes direction, it can be difficult for the markets. Now, our expectation is that the bull market can survive these changes as long as economic growth remains strong, but policy change always creates risk. Right. So inflation, new variants changes to fiscal monetary policy, there are risks to the outlook. And these things could pose risks to that reflation trade we were talking about. In our outlook, which is now available at newyorklifeinvestments.com, goes deeper into these topics with some cool visuals. So um, definitely check that out if you're interested in these risks. Now, it's time for our Portfolio Pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. Given current market performance, the big question right now is, did we get the reflation trade wrong? And should investors unwind it? It's a really good question because, as you can see, there's lots of risks that have arisen for that trade. High valuations, lots of investor enthusiasm, high expectations, inflation fears, stretch sentiment, and poor market technicals, all of these things pose a particularly near-term risk. And as we said at the start of the program, the reflation trade has already started to unwind a bit. Yes, it has. And I agree with the backdrop of risks that you're noting. But I think first, it's important for investors to recognize that over the long term, there are more durable trends that they can follow. And I think that leads us to an answer that looks something like, should you unwind the reflation trade? Instead, it's probably more like not yet. And also, as an investor, how and where am I going to have to invest to harness reflation and reopening? I love where you're going with that. Now, 
So from a, from a macroeconomic perspective, economic growth is likely to slow as the economic cycle moves from this robust early stage recovery to more of a durable, sustained expansion. The market doesn't tend to like that, right? Because you have these surging growth rates, growth starts to slow a little bit, but that doesn't mean that growth is reversing. It's still a robust economic backdrop in our view, and that supports the case for improved performance in cyclical sectors and value style investments. So that means more upside ahead, right? Yeah, we do think there's more upside ahead, but we should expect more modest stock market gains ahead. So in the times from 1980 to now, in the years when the S&P 500 gained 15% or more in the first six months of the calendar year, which was the case this year, the second half of the year returned an average of 5.7%. So you can see that's a slightly slower pace of gains. Uh, but it is still gains. And I think that that explains why we don't think it's yet time, or at least partially explains, to unwind that reopening trade. But I also mentioned that investors are going to have to work harder to identify and harness reopening related gains. I don't think it's going to come as easily. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think part of this is just about general market volatility. So in addition to having slightly slower gains moving forward, we expect equity markets to endure more volatility in the second half than they did in the first. Part of that is prospects for the Fed starting to reduce its pace of accommodation. And that might be a catalyst for bouts of anxiety in the second half of the year. Oh, that is a great point. And I think it's important to remember that volatility is a normal part of investing. Sometimes investors might get lulled to sleep in periods of low volatility, but volatility is normal. Risk is normal when you're investing. With plenty of life left in the economic expansion, though, we believe that markets can continue to move higher. And these 5 to 10% market pullbacks that we see, these down days, can be viewed as buying or rebalancing opportunities for investors. Remember, pullbacks are normal, and it can create an opportunity for investors to position for what we're calling for is the outperformance of cyclical and value assets over bonds and growth stocks. As such, in our own portfolios, we're tilted towards value-oriented companies and cyclical stocks and commodities. The other part of this, besides just volatility, is about genuinely leveraging reopening themes. So Robert, you mentioned cyclical securities, which I think is correct. Our thought here is that given market volatility, investors can't rely just on markets going up for their gains in the second half. Instead, they're going to have to identify sectors or even individual securities that can benefit from reopening themes, which means, you know, can they pass higher costs on to customers? Can they leverage macro themes like rising interest rates? Do their business models have efficient supply chains? These types of things that might enable them to continue to produce reliable revenue growth in the coming months and quarters. That's such a good point. And I think in other words, this means that investors should be working with seasoned active managers to help assess which companies can avoid some of the market risks that we've described today on the show. Coming up next, it's a quiet week for economic data, so I'm going to patiently await Fed Week next week. Uh, and instead, listen to Robert's fabulous earnings update. Yes, it is earnings season. Thank you, LG. Maybe not as important as the Fed, but very important for what we're seeing in the markets right now. Earnings for the S&P 500 are poised to be up more than 60% versus this time last year. And 
so far, results are beating expectations, so they might even move up even higher. And it will likely mark the second greatest increase in earnings growth since 2009, which was just after the global financial crisis. And this is a good sign, in our opinion, to the reflation trade. And when it comes to that reopening theme that we were talking about earlier, I think it's important to note that a lot of the cyclical companies that we've been talking about, you know, a lot of the things that were most sensitive to the pandemic still have a ways to go in improving their earnings before they're back to that pre-pandemic level. And so this earnings growth will likely continue until 2022 in these areas. Well, that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please let us know what matters to you. If you have questions or topics of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website. That's newyorklifeinvestments.com. And you can click the Insights tab where you can find our outlook, including more conversation around these risks. Yes, and some deep dives into some very important market topics right now. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.